Welcome and happy Friday. It's November 12th, 2016, and this is Travelogue, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I'm here with Mark Elwood, who's a contributing editor for us and a podcast producer, Meredith Carey, who's also a podcast producer and an editor for our site, Catherine Legrave and Sebastian Modak, who are podcast veterans, just like all the rest of us, and they are also editors for the site. Thanks, everybody, for being here. My name is Brad Rick. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that this week. Uh, my name is Brad. I'll be your host for the duration of this podcast. Strap in. The topic of the week this week is going to be where to travel this winter. And I think it could not come at a better time. It has been a very long week. And I want, I want to start by just talking about why we travel and why we feel like now is an especially great time to celebrate travel and to celebrate the experience of getting out there in the world. Everybody should go check out a piece that Catherine and Laura Redman wrote on the site Wednesday. And uh, it's called Travel is Love, Travel is Hope. And I'm going to quote you guys. I'm going I'm to quote here, people. I'm going to actually read on the podcast. Please. <laughs> because I think this is inspiring. I think this puts things in perspective. For those of us who have felt like their perspective is a little uh, knocked out of whack this week, I'm going to quote you guys quoting Mark Twain. And he said, Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to call attention to about that piece, but maybe wait just a second because we had another piece this week from a young woman named Teresa Velasco, and she wrote a letter, in effect, to young women everywhere, but really to all of us at this point in time. The story was called Young Women Everywhere, Don't Be Afraid to Travel. And I think she was feeling a little a little bad earlier this week, and uh, she wrote, I know beyond doubt that there is more to gain from exposure than from withdrawal. And now more than ever, we who believe in the value of diversity, who know there is beauty in connection, and who have the curiosity to keep learning about others, have to prepare ourselves for the upcoming years. We need to combat the isolationism and the fear of the anonymous other that has taken center stage. And then she, she's, a, she's a woman just getting out of college, so she's at the start of her adult life. She said, despite having only seen a fraction of this world, what I have seen was magnificent and awe-inspiring and not a breeding ground for fear. And then the last thing I'll say on the subject is from Pilar, the pen or the keyboard of Pilar, <laughs> who's our Pilar Guzman, who's our editor in chief, who wrote about this earlier um, in reference to you know some di- a different set of circumstances. She wrote, "The more we engage with the world rather than run from it, the more clearly we'll understand that it's really not us versus them; it's just us." So with that. I, I figured a good place to start, Sebastian, was with the piece that you reported out earlier today, because in fact, there are many people looking to get away at this time of year uh, in the next few weeks. What, can you tell us a little bit about what you reported? Yeah, we were looking at data from cheapflights.com primarily, um, who had been tracking flight searches around the elections. And uh, it didn't take long for people to start reacting before polls closed even at around 6 p.m. on on Tuesday, searches for one-way flights to Canada on cheapflights.com were up by 133%. Then, as the results started to come in, uh, in the hours after that, that shot up to 900%. 900%. 900% more than average people searching for one-way flights to Canada. 
This was then sort of bolstered with the 500% increase in searches for one-way trips to Japan, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, South Africa, and Germany. I like the broadness of people's thinking here. Yeah. You know? yeah. Not just, just English not, language places. Yeah, yeah people are like, you know, or like, you know, places that are not, you want to immediately think of someone being like, you know, I'm going I'm to go to South Africa. I'm emigrating to South Africa. I'm moving to Japan. I'm moving to Japan. But I can um, understand. I think I can understand. Whatever your position on the result on Tuesday night, I think it's been so exhausting and so bilious that the idea of taking a break before the, the beginning of the new administration is probably very appealing to people of all partisan colors because it's just been so grueling so long. And there's nothing better than thinking, I just want a week somewhere. I mean, oh. I mean, yeah, and it's also, I think, a pretty accurate reflection of just like a gut reaction from people. You know, I don't think people were necessarily following through and buying stuff, but they were maybe just trying to dip their toe in and see what the possibilities were in the same way that the website for the Canadian immigration website crashed during the election. This website for New Zealand's immigration, national immigration saw a 2,500% surge. Well, but that's probably from like <laughs> 5 to 50. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and like I'll say straight up personally for me I was quickly on the phone with my Colombian mother asking about possibilities for Colombian citizenship yeah. it's just a gut reaction you have with this fight or flee instinct and some people decide they want to go with flee I think but um, there are other trends that are also kind of indicative of this is this is kind of a, li- a slight step away from winter travel but more just like indicative of what people were thinking from outside of the US one of the top Google searches the day after the election was how did Donald Trump win? <laughs> and um, back at home, you know, emigrate, how to emigrate to Canada were all major search terms. But this is what I find really funny. All this attention on people trying to move to Canada. <laughs> the fifth most searched question in Canada after the election results were announced on Google was, when was America great? <laughs> in the future. But we have Canadians in the office who are like, Canada's not second best. Yeah, and I, exactly. I love that if reaction. I were, if I were Canadian, yeah. I would think, I don't, know, I don't know why you think we want you. Yeah. There's an incredible sort of arrogance to this. That, that's been my favorite reaction, is people being like, well, stop treating us like we're your backup plan. You know, We've got, we've got to figure it out. It's you like, guys deal with it's your... It's like going back you know? to your girlfriend after you divorce your wife, and she's like, you know, I really wasn't just sitting around waiting for you. But... <laughs> But it's not actually that. It's not actually. I mean, I think this is a. This is kind of funny. I think. I think a lot of places were dealing with GQ had a. They turned their homepage over to Canada, and it was all very tongue in cheek and funny. And then right after that, you know, started coming the like, don't run away, stay and yeah. fight, and all of that. So people are going through these waves of feeling about it, and it was nice to see some humor be a part of that mix. But I feel like. When people are looking for one way tickets, did you see? This is a question I have. Were people actually buying them? They didn't supply that data. Okay. Um, and it's funny because I don't think these are places, maybe besides South Africa, that people are looking for as, or Australia and New Zealand as like a winter destination. I think these are people just like, how much would it cost me to pack up my shit and leave? Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, well, it's a one way ticket they're looking for, right? Yeah. I mean, people aren't trying to go to Canada in the middle of winter, right? Um, well, you you can be, though, because you get a really great white Christmas. Well, we maybe just, this is a great transition into where to go this winter. <laughs> no, I mean, um, there's a Fairmont in Banff Springs that is having a really great Christmas package with lots of goodies and you get sleigh rides and all sorts of things. So if you actually want to go to Canada and get a round trip ticket um, going up up there and skiing and... I, actually, I agree with Meredith. I think Canada is one of those lovely winter destinations. Sure, 
you're going to need plenty of thermals. Yeah. But isn't that the point? You get to see a country at its sort of rugged, natural best. And if I were picking a winter getaway, go somewhere that really knows how to do winter. Actually, maybe that's a good place to sort of backtrack and start is like, what, what, do you, what does everyone here kind of look for in a winter destination? Yeah. I think for me, I'm generally... It's a person living in New York. When winter comes around, I'm looking to go south. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I'm looking to, to go to lower latitudes because just winter's not my thing. But I understand there's this skier. You're a skier, right? I'm Catherine? a skier, yeah. I, I'm with Mark. I want to go yeah. somewhere that really embraces winter. And we have that in our like best places to go in winter. We have Swedish Lapland. Mm. Like, I mean, that's kind of... I want... You see, I struggle in summer. I'm one of those people who sort of schwitzes the minute <laughs> there's, a, there's a light on me, let alone the sun. And I, when I get to winter, I'm like, I want to be in a Fair Isle sweater holding a pizza mold wine or, or you know, something a little... In at, with a log fire surrounded by the snow, having you know just made a quick snowman, but not taking too long because you know it's not that fun and it's. <laughs> I'm not a child anymore. You know, well, it's amazing, but I'm it takes adult, a lot. Takes too long, and I want to go. I want to embrace winter because mm. it's actually one of my. It's probably my favorite season. I, oh wow! Yeah, I'll, I'll agree time. with that. I'll, I'll totally agree with that. I, I love it when the cold weather comes around. I want to get my bourbon out. I, there's this, you know, one of my favorite yes. places to go, which I where I am going this year um, is in Turin. There's this old, very ancient kind of like um, chocolate shop called Bitterin, and they have a chocolate drink there that it, you you can get it at other places, but this is really the origin. It's called the Bitterin, and it's just a, a really, really rich satisfying cold weather thing and so every time we go to visit my wife's family there we'll go to this place get the chocolate and it's just to me there's something really kind of magical about really leaning into the cold weather really sort of just dunking yourself into it and I I would like to see the snow like I want the white Christmas I never don't want the white Christmas as someone who grew up in Texas and really maybe once in my life had a white Christmas I think I'm so used to it being warm and also wanting it to go back like wanting to go back to summer and so going to places like Cape Town um, where it is summer um, or going down Christmas to Christmas on the beach in Australia that's what you want I mean my yeah, birthday I mean, is December 28th and the year I, I was with my parents um, for my 16th birthday in Cape Town and it was sunny and it was beautiful weather and I was like I have never gotten a pool party for my birthday ever <laughs> and it was the best 16th birthday I yeah, could have ever asked for I'm with for. you I mean I think it's maybe partially what people you go back to what you're used to, and I was yeah. I, I also I grew up on the equator, so like I'm not trying to mess around. And see, I think it's um, I think our body I think our body thermometers are established when we're children. So your baseline Science from Mark is, is, is thank you so much. Fact no, checks, please, please exactly. tweet, please tweet your fact checks. And I'm actually curious if anyone can tell me if there's any basis in this because I, growing up in Britain, which is not snowy or, or as or as cold as Canada, but is wet and temperate. I do much better when it's cold or moderately warm. When I go down to Miami in July, I take taxis for th three blocks or I'll turn up to my meeting looking, you know, like I had just had a shower. Yeah. I think there's something to that because I've never gone – the one time I went to a warm place around, you know, the December, January period is, is sort of an extended Christmas holiday in Florida – 
when I think I was, you know, 25 or 26. And it was weird. It was just weird <laughs> like for, for to be walking around and there was – what not only was there no snow, there wasn't any cold wind. It was warm. It was kind of balmy. Mm-hmm. And it just felt wrong. <laughs> like that's not what's supposed to happen. And then but, there's lights everywhere. But and, you see, this is what I'm just thinking about. When you picture a Christmas market, you picture a Christmas market in France or in Germany or in Austria or in Francophone Canada, you want that twinkly night – Dark, early, a little bit of little bit of chill in the air, some carols. To me, that is picture perfect. Yes, in a way. yes. I agree yeah, with it's you. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we should make some suggestions. I think that Banff is an amazing opportunity with a new hotel. I think that people often forget that northern Italy is alpine, yeah. and places like the Veneto and certain parts, you're going to get skiing. I remember going to Cortina d'Ampezzo, which hosted the 1956 Olympics, in January for a story, and being wowed by how glamorous Mm. a very ordinary town could be. It wasn't expensive, it wasn't Courchevel 1850, I didn't have to have a black card to pay for my hotel, but everyone was in a full-length fur, which in Italy is not controversial, and it just glittered with chic getaway Dolce Vita, and I was wowed by Italy in the winter, and I think that gets overlooked. Yeah. I think one of the places that we have also suggested is Venice because you're not going to have the crowds. Um, There's also the carnival coming up, right? I mean, if you're later in winter. Yeah, late, yes. So what I would say about Venice, my birthday is early February, which is the first week of February is always the worst weather in New York. So I do try and get away from whatever snowstorm will stop me having a party. (laughs) And I went to Venice for my birthday over carnival, and I'd never been to Venice in the depths of winter. And it was truly magical because you're able to squint and the streets are empty and you're not sure whether it's 1750 or 2015 because there aren't any people there. And all the restaurants are open. This is not a seasonal. It's a city. People live there. And I loved, if you go in the winter, Venice floods and you have the Aqualta and you go to your hotel reception uh, La Calcina is an amazing hotel in Dorsadora, which is very affordable, run by a family, one of my favorite places to stay in Italy. And you go to reception, any hotel, and you say, oh, Aqualta. And they go, oh, I know. And then they reach under the desk and they hand you what look like surgical gloves. But you pull them on over your shoes and anchor them a bit like stockings on your thighs. And then... You wade through the water. <laughs> Fashion moment. It's a fa- and, and it is, but it sort of feels like an adventure. Yeah. Mm. And parts of the city will have platforms for you to walk on. The, the very tourist parts of San Marco will have platforms. But in the quieter bits, you're going to be wading through the water. And it just feels like you're glimpsing Venice without its game face on. Yeah. And I think for a place like Venice that always feels so performative and always so full, going in the winter is not only more affordable, but I kind of prefer it. You're just like catching it unaware. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. And, and you wearing those boots, the locals all have permanent waders that they pull out every winter. So you're obviously not a local because you're wearing the bright blue ones. <laughs> but you feel part of sort of something that the Venetians know, oh, today it's Aqualta. And it's predicted, so you can tell, and you're not going to get caught short when you wake up. How high does it get? Uh, it can get about two and a half feet. Really? It's, it depends on the tides, but the heaviest water we got 
almost came over the, the, the waders. If you've been hesitant about going in the winter because of the floods, don't be hesitant. It's super fun, it, it apparently. Is, but, it is, but it is, the thing is, it is kind of fun because yeah. it doesn't impede your ability to do anything. And all the stores have special uh, metal grills which prevent them flooding, and they pull those up, and you what you step over them. So nothing is closed. You're just participating in something that the Venetians do, and they're like meh. Yeah, <laughs> probably the food you can get is much better than what you could get in the summertime too. I got a hotel that I am going to call out because I thought this was kind of hilarious. The Omni Mount Washington Resort in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, is going to be doing elf tuck-ins. Yes, they what, did that last year as I'm well. I'm sorry, you're going to have to break that down for <laughs> what me. What is an elf tuck-in? <laughs> exactly. Children can enjoy elf tuck-ins where one of Santa's favorite elves, not one of his least favorite, one of his <laughs> most favorite, don't know which ones those are, will arrive at a guest room for a bedtime reading of The Night Before Christmas and give your child a festive early gift from Santa before saying goodnight. Those are available December 17th. That feels not close to Christmas at all. <laughs> uh, but also the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, which is very close to Christmas. So uh, if you're looking for an elf tuck-in, can't get that at home. <laughs> That's something. Yeah. <laughs> so so about- I have to ask how you came across this. Was this, was this you were looking this for Christmas magic, options? This is, or? <laughs> this is the magic of press releases. <laughs> but yeah. it's also, it's actually in one of our white Christmas roundups this year because, I mean... Elf tuck-ins. Elf tuck-ins. I think it's absolutely if, you're, if you are five yes. years old, that is going to be that a memorable moment ever. for you. That's yes. True. I think my son would go bonkers for that still. So actually, the Fairmont Bam Springs that I was talking about earlier is having an all-things Santa celebration this Christmas. And you can actually visit Santa's suite and an active toy workshop. Is there a difference between Santa's suite and the presidential suite? Ooh, that is I think Santa deserves question. to be in the presidential suite. <laughs> But yeah, you can write a letter to Santa, you can decorate stockings, um, there's a Santa brunch with elves, and a Christmas Eve tea for what those. Does, what does Santa eat in brunch? That was such a great question. I feel like he's a French toast guy. <laughs> I feel like he's like a pickled herring guy. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. That's a bummer. <laughs> no, it's like cookies decorated by the elves, right? Isn't exactly. He eats whatever's left out for him. Cookies decorated I'm thinking of what ingredients parents. are available to him in the North Pole, you know? There's not, the one there's year not when I was like, to my house to get his breakfast <laughs> and it's it's cookies and with milk like lemon frosting on top okay those are some great cold weather and Christmassy fun destinations what about those people who are interested in the warm weather where they sh- where should they be going well I think anyone who's never been to Art Basel in Miami Beach this year because of Zika the hotels in Miami have struggled a bit which is terrible for them because Zika has been not rampant in Miami thanks to some of the measures they took which have been controversial if you've ever mulled going to Art Basel in Miami Beach which is something that I've covered for years and years it is so much fun but it's normally really expensive because getting a hotel room it's a peak season yeah. this year the hotels have a lot more capacity mm because of Zika, and you will be going to one of the most glamorous parties in the world. Set the stage for us a little bit, because I've never been to this. What is it like? So Art Basel, Basel, the original flavor, is a Switzerland-based fair that takes place normally in early June. And it's a very highbrow kind of snooze fest, unless you're spending five million on a Lots of pickled herring. (laughs) But also, it's a very hardcore art event. When I went there, it was much more about just the art and reporting on that. 
deliberately it created an offshoot in Miami that was supposed to be the party version in the winter. So the first week of December, usually end of November, early December, the arterati will descend on Miami and have an art fair. But even if you're not buying art, the point of our bars on Miami Beach is that fashion and hotels and booze companies, they'll all go down to reach the fabulous people who are supposed to be there. And it doesn't really matter whether you're invited to the VIP parties or not. That week in Miami is just full of energy and you'll feel like the most glamorous people in the world are sitting next to you at dinner. And they are. Where is it in Miami? Is it all in sort of the beach or is it Wynwood? So, so that's a great question. What you'll normally find is the convention center itself hosts art bars on Miami Beach, the formal fair, which you can pay to go into, anyone can go to, and is definitely an amazing chance. It's like a patchwork of the world's best galleries showcasing their sexiest work. So if you're an art lover, you basically get a smorgasbord, to use your herring analogy, of the world's best art. There are lots of uh, ancillary fairs around the city, Art Untitled, those kind of places, my pulse, which is one of my favorite, favorite fairs. But you can also go to Wynwood, which is the traditional Puerto Rican neighborhood, which is now very much where the artist lofts are on the mainland, and you'll see kind of pop-up shows. If you want to go to a hot weather destination in the winter, Miami, of course, is a number one. But I would encourage anyone who's not been to Art Bars on Miami Beach, who's been curious, this is the year you can do it without it costing you $1,000 a night for yeah. a hotel. Yeah, that's great advice. And yeah, your point about Zika, not to downplay the fact that there is Zika there, but it's in two confirmed locations, close to Wynwood, one mile square radius, and then part of Miami Beach. Miami in December is much cooler than it is the rest of the year. Mosquitoes are not as rampant. You're mostly inside. I've been to Art Basel. I agree with you, and I totally recommend it. I think it's a great deal for the winter season. What did you love about it, Catherine? I mean, like you said, all the art in one places, and there's just sort of a different energy in the city. Yeah. But I'll speak up for Miami just generally, if you're not at Zika risk or if you're not a person who's concerned about that, Miami is a great place to go in the wintertime. If you're in the Northeast in particular, because it's just, it's cheap. Once you get out of the Art Basel, you know, sort of zone and you get into the later spring, it's cheap, it's close, it's a short flight. There are a huge number of new hotels that are opening in Miami. There's the Confidant, which is the rebadging of the Thompson. There's the Langford downtown, which I really love. Uh, it's in a strange location because it's in downtown Miami, which is not a conventional tourist destination, but it's in a converted bank. It's in a beautiful, historic building. There's the SLS Brickle. There's um, there's the East Miami, which is also in Brickle by the new luxury shopping center. So there's a plethora of new hotels. And the one hotel I would really recommend is there's the Washington Park Hotel, which is a new rebadging of what used to be the best Western on Washington Avenue in South Beach. It's a conglomeration of three buildings, much more affordable rate start at 137 so that's a great, you, yeah. you could really find some great deals. But there's the Coral Rock House there, which was built in the 20s out of Coral Rock. So a really old Miami Beach house, one of the last two remaining Coral Beach houses in South Beach. The other one is not safe to do anything with, but they can't pull it down. It's going to host a branch of New York's employees only, which is a big cocktail bar here uh, that come December. So I would say... Washington Park Hotel if you're looking for a bit of a steal but I would say don't be afraid to go to the mainland because the Langford East Miami SLS Brickle you're really going to find some good deals and I love the beach I want to walk around but the mainland really is having quite a moment yes it is yes I have two options that are both Zika free um, and one of them is French Polynesia so Tahiti Bora Bora and 116 other islands and so can you read them all read them? sadly not by memory but 
going to somewhere like the St. Regis Bora Bora and doing the overwater bungalow experience. Oh, I mean, yeah. that is the ultimate beach vacation. That is the ultimate vacation. And I think it's what everyone thinks of when they're thinking, I just want clear water, hot weather, and just absolute relaxation. What I would encourage people to think about if they're considering a French Polynesia vacation is Bora Bora is very famous. Most of the staff on Bora Bora are not Tahitian administratively. So if you want a really Tahitian experience, you're much better off going to Morea, which is usually much more locally staffed. And there is a big difference between the particular affect of French Polynesia and the other islands. I think we're all looking for that incredible sort of sexy laid backness. When I went to Bora Bora, I was caught a little short by the fact that most of the people I talked to when I talked to the staff, they weren't local. But I went to Morea and suddenly I, it was a totally different vibe. Good to know. No, what else you got, Meredith? The other option is actually going back to something that I said earlier again, which is Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not yeah, going to be it's not going to be your usual necessarily safari South Africa experience because it might be a little warm. But you know the wine region and just general cosmopolitan loveliness. Of but Cape at this Town. time of year, people do have more time. They could add yes. a safari experience yes. to that, right? And and I would say that there's this conventional wisdom that in, at least in Southern Africa that the dry season is the time to go on a safari, which is in the Southern African winter, our summer, mm-hmm. um, because it means that animals are congregating at the you know small sources of water that there are. You have more kind of a greater chance to see the big five and come home and be able to tell your friends that you did. But the summer months there, our winter, there's like a whole kind of other safari experience you can have. And it's like, really? especially if you can handle a little heat because it does get hot, you know, the Okavango Delta, for example, oh, yeah. um, you know, people say go in the dry season because, you know, it's it's a giant floodplain. It's a giant, you know, delta. So a lot of that is dried in the dry season. So you can navigate it better. There's less water sources, more animals congregating. But in the our winter, their summer, the rains come and the entire floodplain gets, well, you know, flooded. And you start having to have to go on safari in a canoe or in a boat and yeah. you see you know completely other kinds of wildlife you see my favorite safari i've ever been on was a water safari yeah because you are encouraged to look smaller yeah birds for example it's the time to see insects. birds yeah so you think oh sure i want to see the big five which is amazing but the chance to kind of take a moment Water safaris are often quieter because you're being punted along. Mm-hmm. And just look at the flowers and the insects. And I was astonished. I was startled that, honest, that was my most memorable safari experience. Where was it? Um, it was, in, it was, it was in, in the Delta. Delta. Yeah. 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 And a lot of these camps, for example, you fly into on like bush planes, and for, for example. And getting that bird's eye view of the flooded Okavango Delta is, it, there's no, it's a natural wonder of the world. There's nothing else like it. Um, and I would also, just to talk about um, the Southern Africa, where to stay, there's an incredible hotel in South Africa's wine country, which is drivable from Cape Town, called Babylon Storen, which was started by essentially the equivalent of Rupert Murdoch's wife, a very wealthy South African media mogul, and his wife, who edited a design magazine in South Africa, she created an oasis, a a private farm where everything is locally farmed, organically farmed. She designed the rooms so they're super chic. And Babel is one of my favorite hotels I've ever stayed at because it's lovingly done. There's an enormous fund behind it, so there's lots of money, so it's been been flawlessly executed, but it isn't isn't just 
thrown in and wow, it's fancy yeah. and they, they paid an awful lot to put marble everywhere. Everyone cares. And so you sit there and the food is incredible and the food is picked from their gardens. And you have your plunge pool in an old converted water tank and it's repurposed local architecture and artifacts. So Babel in the Winelands, if I were looking at Cape, I'd do Cape Town, the Winelands, a bit of Botswana. You've got an incredible winter trip. It's an amazing trip. Yeah. And I think um, another thing to keep in mind, especially when you're talking about these high-end safaris, or more high-end hotels, is that it's also, at least in the safari areas, it's low season. So you're going to get better prices than you would if you went in the summer. And, you know, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people will tell you, oh, you know, you can't go on a safari in this African summer, the, you know, American winter. Um, but at least in my experience, there's a whole other kind of safari experience you can have at that time of year. So do and both. I, I think it's fair to say that, that the resort game in all of these places has gotten really, really strong, particularly in South Africa in, in recent years. So you can have great, great experiences. Yeah, there. yeah. Maybe now is a good time to talk about, you know, actually booking these trips. Mm-hmm. So, Catherine, I know you've been doing some looking into this. What what kind of deals, where should people be looking to actually find good prices on flights and other things? Instead of picking destinations. Instead of le- picking destinations. Well, we talked about the importance of flight trackers, right? We have a new article on our website that talks about flight trackers. And Google Flights also has a new feature that's going to alert you as to when that deal you're seeing is going to expire. So now you can go to Google Flights, enter the dates you want to go somewhere, you know, where you want to go, Bora Bora, whatever, and it'll tell you you have eight hours left before this deal expires. So I think that, you know, going into the holiday season and winter travel is is a really good resource. On the Google Flights front, they also have this feature where they'll alert you to changes in the price, right. mm-hmm. which I think is super helpful as yeah. well. So something like Airfare Watchdog, Google Flights, the Hopper app, which you can have on your phone, it'll send yeah. you push notifications when, you know, they've seen it drop or they expect your um, See, flight I to think drop. You're making, they're making a great point that yeah. I think the traditional idea was when can I nab a flight? I want to tee up the moment when I can book that flight at the cheapest. What we should now do is take advantage of technology and laziness and mm-hmm. pick all of our favorite routes and let a lot of the automated systems burp at us when we need to do something. <laughs> Please not. So, <laughs> not that. so that happened to me. I'll give a little experience. I had a flight tracker, go- a bunch of different flight trackers going on because I'm going to visit my parents who live in Dubai over the winter, over Christmas. Warm place. One other warm place to go to if, if you want to go to Dubai. And summer is pretty miserable. So if you are going to go, go in the winter. Um, so... You know, I was getting, I, first of all, I started the search too late. So I was getting all these alerts for prices that were just absurd to go to Dubai. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not, not going to see my parents this Christmas because it was just absurdly expensive. And then I got one that I decided to just go with. And uh, I guess the moral of this story before I tell it is that, you know, if you're going to have a weird layover, just do it and enjoy it. And now I am more excited for my full 14 hours in Baku, Azerbaijan, than I am in Dubai. Amazing. I'd love to go to Baku. Right? Me too. It's like a total, like, it's just never, at Water City. It's brand new. <laughs> and it's never been like, you know, oh, I'm going to take a vacation to Baku. But like... Yeah, you would never go there otherwise. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's like it wouldn't be on my list yeah, necessarily. Yeah. But like, now that 
this is happening and like I arrive at 7 a.m. and I fly out to Dubai at like 11 p.m. I literally just have a whole day there. It's I am so excited. And actually, if I can, if I can, that's a perfect segue. Thank you, Seb. We're going to talk a little bit about stopovers and, and making the most of stopovers in a future podcast. And if anyone listening has amazing stopover stories sharing how a stopover changed their lives or if they loved a stopover or if they only travel with stopovers, we would all love to hear them. So tweet one of us or message, the, message, message us on Facebook. That would be amazing. And if you have uh, advice on things to do in Baku, also tweet at me, please. Because yes. um, I don't know. Except you um, have 14 hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my point being, like, you know what? Like, sometimes maybe take the flight you haven't taken before. And, like, because you can find some really great deals. I found an amazing deal on this flight. Yeah. And it involves something that now I'm super excited and about. And I think if you're willing to be a little more flexible with your dates, I think if you're traveling for Christmas mm-hmm. or for New Year's, it's a little harder. But if you're just saying, I want to take a trip this winter, using a flight tracker and putting in all of the places you want to go, 20 flight trackers is a great option because then you can narrow them down based on what deals are coming in. Yeah, totally. But also, I need to point out, before you can go anywhere, if you're going anywhere abroad, you have to have a passport. Oh, yeah, you need to be aware of passport changes, right? So first of all, do not submit a passport when you're wearing glasses. If you have a photo where you're wearing glasses, because it will be denied. As of November 1st, you're not allowed to submit a passport. So if you're trying to renew your passport and you're trying to take Wait, a photo what? with your Warby Parker specs, they will send it back <laughs> so to you. So it's a new thing. It's a new yes. thing as Brand of November 1st. If you have an existing passport, it's fine. You don't need to change it until you have to renew your passport four years down the line. But 2017 will be a big year for passport renewals. Like we're moving into the really busy season of passport renewals because of the 10-year expiration date that's coming up. So after 9-11, you had to get a passport if you wanted to travel to Canada or Mexico, which you did not have to before. So that 10-year anniversary is coming up. So the State Department is going to see a big flood of renewals. So if you want to go somewhere for the winter and you need to renew your passport, you should probably have done it by now or you should do it as soon as possible but i I think of passport renewal a bit like turning your phone on to vibrate in church you know you've done it but just double check yeah and also it's not like oh i have three more months i can chill and do it when i get back from christmas speaking from experience i had to wait outside the passport office on christmas eve in new york city (laughs) get there at 3 30 in the morning when it opened at eight because i the lines are that long at that time of year because of people like me who forget <laughs> that in certain countries you have to have at least six months of validity to your passport. But it's a good right. reminder that That's we're human too. Like I think we act as, as these sort of travel experts, but we make mistakes too. It was so, yes. the worst three days in my life. <laughs> but New I, York winter, three in the morning. <laughs> which we would love, Catherine, for, right? Yes, We'd be like, we oh, wrapped up. For, <laughs> for four Somebody hours. Somebody Terrified that you weren't going to yeah. actually Terrible. go on your trip. The rest of my family was in Colombia just hanging out. And I was there. But I would also remind people that there are some expediting services which do cost you money. But when, for example, when I handled visas to countries that are often complicated, when I've handled a, a Russian visa or a Chinese visa, I've used It's Easy, which is a passport expediter that has never let me down. I was going to Mozambique this summer. There's no Mozambican consulate in New York where I live. I wasn't going to go down to D.C. or trust my passport to the post, but I could go into my It's Easy office and they would facilitate it. And I would encourage people that if you're having passport problems, an expediter like It's Easy will be costly, but it can help. You'll get it done. Yeah, I wrote a story on this, how to get a passport in 24 hours. 
because you can. You know, there are passport agencies across the country. I think there are 27. But if I don't live in a big city and I can't personally go there and say, look, I have these travel plans and I need a passport, you can send all your information to a passport expediter and they'll do it for you for a fee. It'll but cost, these are places- but you can fix it. Exactly. Yeah. If that's that dream vacation the whole family's going and you're the one who didn't double check your passport. There are solutions and I, I would I remember your story, Catherine. You can look for that story on the site. But I would just encourage everyone to double check. I know that my passport expires on the 8th of May 2022 and I have that marked six months before in my calendar because I have to do a British passport when I'm in Britain. So mine's even more complicated. Catherine, did they give any explanation for the glasses rule, the new glasses rule? They did, right. So they were getting a lot of photos that had a glare because of the glasses. And actually glasses, that's the number one reason that your passport application will be denied is a bad photo. I think it's between 200,000 and 400,000 applications a year. U.S. passports were denied because of of bad photos, and a lot of that is because of the glasses. Like, what happens if if you if your passport application is denied? Do you have to pay again? I'm not sure, actually, but I know they send it back to you, and you have Tweet to resubmit us. with Tell the photo. Has anyone? Yeah, has anyone had kind of crazy? Well, do you have to? I mean, is this? Do you know from writing that piece and sure. are these like people like taking a selfie and sending it to the no, U.S. State are, Department? No, this isn't a photo like, booth. Like this is the hard and fast so what, rule. What, what, can, what are some other reasons that people? What are some other reasons that photos get denied? Yeah, besides? I mean the selfie. Um, it's too dark. You know, you're wearing something that's covering your face. So I go to a CVS that knows what they're doing. Yeah, I, and the glasses, uh, I will say that if you have to wear glasses for a medical condition, that is an exception. You just need to submit a doctor's note right. along with your application. Are you allowed, the, the British regulations on passport photos changed a while ago to very, along very similar lines. Right. But when they change, they also insist that you're not allowed to smile. You can smile, you just cannot show your teeth and it can't be a crazy smile. It's, it's so kind of an interesting so you think, rule because okay, it's up for interpretation. To, you have to sort of have a smile, but they say, you know, it's a it mugshot, can't, basically. You have to, because they want to, you know, you have to sort of be able to recreate the look of, of who you are when they see you. So if it's an, an odd time you've smile, been standing in line exactly. for two you're hours at customs, you're not smiling. <laughs> or at CVS for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel someone, like we need, a, we need a, like, a landing page where we tell everybody everything they need to know about passports. Yeah, that's I've true. I've like this for like two years. Like, <laughs> Slash passports. Just come to cntraveler.com slash passports. Get everything you need to Especially because it's constantly... The page doesn't exist, just so you know. Yet. <laughs> but it might by tomorrow. <laughs> but especially Passport. because it's constantly changing. Like, that wasn't a rule when I was going to Colombia. That wasn't a rule until pretty recently. And I found out when I got to the airport and was checking in for the flight. And they said, you can't travel. And you can... Ch- yeah, you can check that on the State Department. That's yeah. just for, for people that are listening. You can check and see, you know, the regulations of the country that you're going to. But what Sebastian said, six months is a good rule. European countries in the Schengen Agreement are going to be three months, but six months is a good rule. So I if you want to go to your German Christmas market, six months. Anyone yeah. who's listening, just just do a sanity check on your passport right now. Let us... let us. I know you know it's fine, but just do one of those double checks. Oh, because I'm going to do it. If you don't know when it expires, just have it marks in your calendar yeah. whatever reminder because it, it is one of those moments it's, where it's so stressful because you're like oh, that was so like I I, I know think you're better almost, I know better I you're almost you're almost more at risk if you travel a lot you know yeah. like many of us do where, where you, because you just sort of take it for granted mm-hmm. and you never look and you just pick the thing up and you take it with you and you have your little routine for that and you just don't break the routine yeah. Are you one, one other question about passports a British person is allowed two passports you are allowed to have a passport that is being submitted for visas and a passport you use as long as you go to the passport office with a letter from your employer explaining why you need it 
Uh, is that true in America? I yeah. don't know that. It's much harder to get two passports. You have to prove that you travel often enough that you need two passports. Um, and also that if I'm going to submit a passport for renewal and I need a passport, then I, I need to. Does that make sense? Like I can't bear to be without my passport for four weeks. So you the can't, time it you takes can't to, have you can't have them five years syncopated just as a like a CYA. No, uh-uh. It's very hard to get two passports, but, but you new, can. The new passports have so many more pages than the old ones right. do. Yeah. So you are better off now than you were three, four years ago. I have, I have very quick, very quick lightning round. Where do you have envy of for this winter that you're not going? What are you envious of? Where do you wish you were going? Um, I think while talking about an Okavango safari and a week in Cape Town, I just got teary-eyed and nostalgic, and that's where I want to be. You want to be winter. back there. Yeah. Mayor. Um, I would love to be in Patagonia in Chile because it is technically summer, but it feels a little like a winter wonderland. Lovely. I'm going to go to what I said earlier, Swedish Lapland. I, I've never you know, been there for the winter Northern and I would lights, love to right. Northern Lights right I and just dog Catherine. sledding I just Mark wanna, we'll and I will together. be in an like, ice hotel together <laughs> you'll catch us lots of Instagram pictures of us surrounded by reindeer and mulled wine sled yes. dogs Mark I, I want to go exactly I want to go exactly like Catherine she, she doesn't realise I'm just going to book a trip for both of us uh, I want to go to I want to go to Scandinavia in the winter because I think again those are cultures that know how to do winter and celebrate it and you sit outside covered in a rug and you embrace that, I want to go to Scandinavia. Okay. What, about, gonna, you, what about you, I, I'm going to go with uh, Buenos Aires. Uh, mm. Never been. I would love to go. Seems like a good time of year to go. But I'm very happy that I'm going to be, as we know, in London. So I'm not unhappy. I don't really have envy. <laughs> but if I were to go anywhere else, I think Buenos Aires would be great. Okay, so plan your uh, plan your trip now. Um, best time of year to go. Uh, also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Visit us at CN Traveler. Make yourself happy. Look at funny animals. We put up a funny uh, anim- funny animals post this week. Just Google blooper reel, Animal Kingdom blooper reel. And please don't be like the guy who just destroyed the uh, 18th century St. Michael statue in Lisbon. Don't be that guy if you go abroad. All for the selfie. Yeah. And all those stories are on the site this week if you're looking for a little levity, as many of us are. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snapchat. Tweet at us, as we've asked you to do throughout this. We have mandated throughout this podcast. Send us feedback, reviews on iTunes. And Seb, where can the folk find you? You can find me at Seb Modak. Mayor? And I am at Oh Hey There Mayor. And I'm at KJ LeGrave. And I'm at Mark J. Elwood with two L's and a K. And I am at Bradrick. Have a great weekend, everybody. Book your travel now. Mm-hmm.